0: Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, I am here today. I'm super excited. I'm here with Alan Benedict from uh, Director of Marketing from Play MPE. And uh, to be honest, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while because the place that you're operating in is super interesting to me. So um, if you can start us off by giving us a little bit of context for uh, you know, how you got to where you are and the role, uh, that'll be super helpful as we kind of move through the conversation.
1: Absolutely. And then first and foremost, thanks for having me. Um, so my background comes from radio almost exclusively. Uh, I was on the radio in Chicago at 887 WLUW. Uh, from there, I, I wanted to move over on to the, um, I guess, marketing promotion marketing same kind of deal uh side of things so started working in an independent marketing agency out in new york called the syndicate uh from there started working at a record label for about five six years and i've now been over at Play and p looking after all of our uh, marketing and business development for just about the last three years um so what plan p is we are a SaaS product for the music industry, essentially. Um, we were one of the first companies, so we've been around for just shy of 20 years. We we're one of the first companies to start delivering watermarked audio to radio stations. So if you've ever wondered how radio gets the new songs to play, it's through a system kind of similar to ours, where labels or artists or promoters or managers will uh, utilize our platform to deliver that stuff securely and be able to track some metrics on it too. Uh, so we have. We're actually founded in canada our headquarters is still in vancouver but since we've expanded so that we distribute music into uh, i believe last count it was 31 different countries uh six continents and um yeah we're, we're constantly looking to expand and grow our offerings to make sure not only that our label clients are able to reach their goals and, and fulfill their marketing plans but that the independent artists too can kind of find some some level footing with some of the giants out there
0: that's awesome all right. I want to take a half a second break. Um, you're leaning on your desk. Oh, yep. Sorry. No worries. It shakes the whole screen oh, every does it? time oh, you gesture. It looks- so it looks like you're having an earthquake, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. If that's the vibe you're looking for.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, we had, we had the big thunderstorm yesterday where we have clear skies today in New York.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, okay. So, uh, back to the questions, and I have um, uh, a ton of questions about um, the business, uh, not the least of which is, it sounds like, um, and we've had a couple of folks on the show that have a double-headed market, uh, uh, essentially uh, two angles that they're approaching the market space. So you're selling both to uh, to radio stations and the performers, is that right? Not selling. Uh... We
1: almost view radio stations or or recipients, because we do do more than radio, we do some music supervision and and media outlets and that. Uh, They're almost the product in a way where uh, we don't charge the radio side of things anything. They don't have to uh, buy a subscription or anything like that. they just we make sure that they're on the right list to get the content that they need to their jobs and then our curation of that list is uh, on top of the platform kind of what we're selling to the label and artist side
0: gotcha so how I, I guess who it it's interesting right there's so much so much to unpack here with the the radio stations themselves then needing your product or service um it's a, as part of kind of a vital part of, of doing their work uh you being part of that distribution platform um you still have to get them to use you yeah
1: yeah that's uh that's definitely part of the business as well it's it's almost uh well i guess it is marketing but <laughs> almost like customer attention in a way where uh we not only have to maintain the sender side of the platform to make sure that it's easy to input that information, easy to track everything, easy to watermark everything, but also that recipient side. Uh, there are some services that, some like very simple services, even like on the lines of like Dropbox and, and Google Drive, and that where everything's kind of on a a link basis where like you get the link you have to remember to keep that link you go back and find that link and over the years we built out a in my opinion at least a pretty nice user experience on the recipient side as well where if they don't check their email notifications that often or they come back from vacation or or they're just not great with the internet uh we have a fully web-based platform for them where anything that's been serviced to them already lives and they're able to uh work with it as they need to they have all the information they need and they can they can play around with it a little bit like make playlists uh organize it stuff like that
0: when you're doing the that side of the the sort of conversations and and we'll get to the the supply side as it were uh in a second but the getting the essentially the the stations on board and compliant and participating in all of that kind of stuff. What does that sort of marketing conversation look like? Because I know uh, you may not be charging for that, but there is uh, distinctly a compliance kind of um, need there on your end, right? Because that's part of what you're then able to take to that, that the folks that are giving you, uh, you know, investing and that kind of stuff. How, how do you get them to participate and, and do that well? It is. It's a little bit different for every recipient we have. To be
1: honest, like that's one of the one of the tougher conversations that we have internally. Uh, I mean, most of our sales and marketing staff are either artists or we have some experience in the music industry. Uh, most of us have worked at labels or been on the radio side or or promoters or something in between. Um, so we already have a lot of the radio relationships that that we would need to make sure that the the right people, or I guess you would say the top tier radio uh, programmers and things uh, are on the list. And then aside from that, we almost have to come up with a a mini unique recipient marketing plan for every market we want to go into, Uh, like trying to find radio stations in the US versus Australia and making sure that we're addressing their very specific needs uh, is is really tricky. Everyone does it a little bit differently. The U.S. has gotten more and more consolidated over the years, where there are fewer people making more decisions for more radio stations. Uh, whereas, if you go to say the UK, the BBC is is very very locked down, where they have a very specific way they want to receive music, and they and they really stick to that because they're I mean, for kind of the the only show in town over there like they're they're kind of the the top tier uh and then you go into a territory like Mexico and it's it's a little bit more of the wild wild west where these radio stations haven't really encountered a system like play and pee before we're, we're one of the first to kind of bring that down there and that education process itself is something that we really haven't had to worry about in many other territories like it it surprisingly it took a a lot more effort than we thought to convince them that we weren't going to send them a bill at some point just because the kind of the culture of the music industry there is is so much different from it is in any other territory so it's it's very kind of bespoke plans when it comes to recipients and uh it, it kind of differs everywhere we go luckily we have a a very dedicated list management team that uh, on top of our just reach out efforts and withstanding relationships and marketing, like they uh, they really stay on top of who should be on what list and what changes are being made and and they make sure everything is uh, uh running smooth and as accurate as we can make it
0: the The radio station side of the conversation is outrageously interesting to me because it has you have no you have no um, stick as it were, right? It's all. You have to really be selling the carrot the whole time. It's got to be like, hey, we make this easy. We make it great. Um, the On the other side of the conversation, that buyer side, the folks that are kind of uh, looking for your aid and are paying you to do so, um, how does that work? What does that typical engagement look like? And what are the challenges in that side of the market? It is it
1: is actually somewhat similar. Like every, every market kind of has their own thing, like different... Uh, offices from labels in different territories work slightly differently, and they they never talk as much as you think they should. Um, so sometimes you'll find yourself selling to the same label in three different countries, and and no one really knows that you're talking to the other. Um, but for the most part, we're we're very lucky that uh, we've been around for long enough, where we have a pretty great reputation in a lot of radio formats, and that does help through things like testimonials and and word of mouth and um, Luckily, a lot of promoters who found success on Play&B, they'll refer their artist friends to use Play&B, uh, especially if they can't take the project on themselves. They'll be like, hey, like, this is the tool that I use. You can use it, too. And and that's something we really pride ourselves on, that we we don't cater to labels versus artists or vice versa. We, we try to make the platform the exact same no matter who's using it. and. Uh, luckily it's a, a really useful platform for labels because we have a lot of of admin functionality and some global infrastructure and they can they can really do what they need to do and it's also easy enough for an independent artist who might be sending their very first song out to radio with without much guidance on their end uh it's not like they're being thrown into something as complicated as like pro tools <laughs> it's the first program that comes to mind uh we try to make it level and even and, and that's a that's a nice selling point, but um, a lot of it does come from word of mouth and reputation and and right. a lot of relationship building. Uh, almost even more so. I mean, with I guess traditional marketing avenues, it's it's difficult for us to reach who would be using our service just because they don't. There's a small group of people who would be interested in sending secure music to radio stations, especially their own secure music to radio stations. So finding where they are, whether it's, it's a trade magazine or we make sure that we really focus in on, on brands and organizations that we want to partner with to, to reach not only artists, but also make sure we're relevant in the right music circles and it's it's kind of a balancing act of trying to find the audience and then stay there while the audience is there and then adapt to when they move somewhere new and it's as yeah. uh, simple as as i guess a, a billboard or sniping or, or something a little more a little more traditional
0: well and that's where this like one of the things that i find so compelling about uh, your kind of your role is you've got um so you got the the stations on one side Uh, and the station networks for that matter, because, you know, very rarely is it like independence. Um, You have then the labels. So and some of those labels vary in size and scope. And then you also are are going after the independent artists. So like just on uh, at at a high level, you're marketing to almost four different types of organizations um, and you're doing it all, and every one of those markets uh, and every one of those organizations needs varying levels of uh, education you're speaking at a different level the the on the artist side and the label side you also have the genre kind of challenge right so you've got um well you know we we, we have both kinds country and western kind of thing um you've got those like distinct challenges um, and it just like from the outside in, uh, you, you know, and I've, I've talked to a lot of folks with shows that are or, or products or whatever that are hard to market. Uh, this just sounds daunting. How do you make sense of it all?
1: It's a it's, it's a very unique piece. One thing that we really have to focus on is is prioritizing and, and knowing what we want to invest in at what point. Like it would be kind of like you alluded to, like it would be impossible for us to constantly market to every territory that we're in and every side of that territory that we need to be in touch with. So it's a lot of kind of looking at data and seeing where we're being successful currently, where we have room, where we have an opportunity, where we can be successful probably quicker than some other areas. And it's uh, almost like constant shuffle of of resources and seeing if we're where we need to be and, and when we need to leave and, what we want to do uh i mean we're we're a pretty small company too like we have fewer than 40 employees uh and includes like our entire dev and and product side uh so it's a, a true team effort and a lot of of discussions about okay where what are we missing in canada where can we expand there but should we shift our focus to mexico or should we look deeper into australia because they have new grant funding available to artists and and things like that So it's a lot of a lot of collaboration and a lot of monitoring. So a lot of um, kind of analytics, seeing what's working. And when we find something that works, trying to replicate it in other territories. We uh, over the uh, over the years found some success partnering with things like songwriting competitions, um, and that uh, seems to be a good gateway to independent artists because they're obviously all entering the competitions. And if we're identified as a, a benefit of, of entering and a benefit of winning, it it helps spread the word a little bit more. And that's something that's worked for the last few years as tides turn, I'm sure something different will work a year from now. And that's a, uh, just a conversation that we're kind of constantly having internally.
0: So are you guys also like doing things like mining band camp and, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff for up and coming artists? Is that something that's also part of your protocol?
1: Not currently, to be honest. That's ah, uh, that's probably something ideally down the road we would. Um, right now, with the the size of our team and kind of the amount of releases that are coming in, uh, and just the amount of new leads that come in through the website every day, uh, we have a pretty steady stream of independent artists who found us. Oh, gotcha.
0: That.
1: Yeah, like we're one thing we do do is we definitely monitor um, airplay charts in in other countries. So if we see an independent artist in Australia, for instance, is suddenly becoming really successful on their country charts, and they're kind of new to the market, just a, a what would the word be? A flash in the pan kind of thing, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Uh, we definitely like try to find the management team and reach out and let them know that there's a way to move from Australia to other territories. Because um, that's that's one of the, the really nice things that sets us apart from a lot of kind of localized competitors, like we do have We do distribute in 31 different countries. So if something's doing great in Australia, sure, you might have a solution in Australia, but with one release, we can hit every country radio station that we have globally and something like that. So we're, we're definitely a good export asset as well, which is something that we try to to make very clear.
0: So, apart from your competition being folks that do exactly what you do, do you also view, you know, social media broadly in some ways as competition as well, since folks are distributing a lot of content there?
1: Not, not so much. Like we, we sometimes get lumped in with uh, like traditional DSPs or digital service providers like uh, Spotify and Apple yeah. Music, because uh, I guess in theory it's kind of the same. You submit your music test; it's hosted online; people can stream it from anywhere. Uh, but really like our market is is very different from just a a traditional music consumer right uh, where even to have access to our platform like we put any recipient through a a pretty substantial vetting process Hmm. uh, because we not only want to make sure that our lists are active and accurate and we don't want to just balloon it so yeah now we have ten thousand people (laughs) instead of but who knows who they are. Uh, so we have to make sure that the right people, but also like we have to, to really focus and and take pride in the security of the sender side as well, where like we do get pre-release music service through plan B. We get uh, very fresh releases that are probably on the radio before they hit, uh, I guess iTunes doesn't exist anymore before they hit Amazon music or wherever people buy music now. Right. Uh, so we have to be really mindful of that too, where if, if someone or a label trusts us to send only to country radio programmers in the US or rock programmers in Canada, that their release is only going to legitimate country programmers in the US rock programmers in Canada. So it's a uh, uh, we make less of a push on the on the traditional consumer
0: side. Right. The again, in the dynamics of all this just seems like quasi mind blowing for me. So. When when you go through this process and you're you're identifying you know the upcoming artists you're you're going after or um, the labels that you're working with um, and then getting them in front of um, uh, the right the right folks securely how much of the work you're doing is education versus you know in terms of like the marketing conversations up into the transaction point and then afterwards. What is that Just kind of like help me understand, like what the um, what the split is like, how much of the the are you doing education wise in the market versus um, really at that point of transaction? And do a lot of folks come at, you know, come at your business at a transaction point or uh, is there a lot more nurture?
1: There is, I mean, it does vary a little bit territory to territory, of course, but uh, education would definitely win out. Uh probably as you you've gathered from the conversations that we've had, it's sometimes a difficult value proposition to kind of explain to people of yeah, exact yeah. what we do and why it's useful and why it's, how it's different than them just kind of Googling a bunch of radio stations and sending cold emails. Yeah. Uh, and so we really have to lean on not only the, the ease of use with our system, the success others have had, but, uh, we lean a lot on testimonials and so we lean a lot on, uh, is showing that yeah, you might be an artist new to this, but look, the head of promotion at at Island Records and Def Jam also love using the system. So we <clears throat> excuse me. We really try to to put that reputation through and uh use testimonials in that way as and then once I guess once we we kind of draw them in as a uh, as a lead and they're kind of talking to either either a sales rep or an account person. Um we're always looking at at new ways to kind of remarket to people. Mm-hmm. Like we we update the product really consistently. Like we're always our product team is is kind of never sleeping on on new and new additions and new features and, and how we can improve what we have. Uh so it's it's some remarketing or, or education to that too. Um we have an interesting, kind of an interesting lead pool where even if we're very successful for an artist, there can still sometimes be a year, two year quiet period between they're using the system just from the nature of them putting out a record and then they won't need a wow. record for another two years and they have yeah. to write it. An- one and so it, it gives us a lot of opportunities whenever we have something new to tell people about or we we put together a new distribution list uh for instance just a couple months ago we started po- putting together um we're calling them international bundles so kind of like i mentioned before like every country programmer we have globally is in one list for sale now to uh to artists and labels um so anytime we have an advancement like that it's it's a lot of how can we make sure that we're covering the artists who maybe just finished writing a record for the first time in three years and they used us but man they don't really remember who they talked to and they can't quite remember how to find us and and that kind of thing so with us there's a there's a kind of weird built in dead period between transactions sometimes just just from the nature of music really nothing right nothing, nothing can really change it to be honest
0: and and at the same time, you know, you mentioned you have a lot of folks come into you on a regular basis in terms of like new artists and, and emergent and stuff like that. So um, how many of those folks do you have to turn away for quality issues? I mean, do you, do you do any of that? Do you determine whether or not you're going to take on a client as well? We do some. Yeah, like we uh,
1: we have a very hands on onboarding process, uh, partially because of that, like we want to make sure that we're not since the recipients are kind of our product itself like we don't want to bombard them with a bunch of stuff they have no interest in and then they right. move on to buy form and we have to keep them active um one thing we definitely try not to do though is if something is radio quality and it fits in with where they want to send it like on a very basic no judgment level uh we won't turn someone away for for anything like that like we just want to make sure that uh it's broadcast quality and it's something that could stand a chance. I mean, we get we get some submissions that are uh, someone singing into an iPhone or recording a, a video of them singing in their car. And uh, I mean, we don't want to just take their money and send it somewhere knowing full well that it's not going to be on the radio. You right. know, like we want we want to protect our reputation, too. So um, we do very basic quality control, usually for, for broadcast quality over content. That said, if something's totally off the wall and made appropriate like we'll we'll steer them away but uh we uh we try to be as non-judgmental as possible like if they if it could right. fit in and we see it fitting a home even if it's a small like college stations in germany or something like right. that uh we do our best to try to find a uh, find a home for it
0: so um, uh, I guess as we start to get close to a wrap up here, and I I, I have a feeling I could talk about this stuff for days, but um, one of the um, I, I guess the natural next questions then is it's got to be interesting now with the AI stuff coming out. How much that's those submissions are going to be. Uh, directly connected to your system or vice versa? How are you negotiating some of that? Uh, do you have like the editorial protocols that you're incorporating into your onboarding process as part of that marketing conversation or uh, any of that kind of stuff? Have you figured that out yet?
1: Not quite yet, to be honest. We've, uh, luckily we haven't have had to deal with that yet. Uh, we haven't had any issues to run into, but uh, it's definitely a conversation that's happening on, Mostly on our, our product and dev side, like it will. I imagine eventually there'll be some detection system or something like that. Something far more technical than than I'd be able to describe to someone. But I'm sure uh, I'm sure there'll be something to to kind of safeguard against that. But in the meantime, luckily, like we, uh, I don't think we've set down any AI stuff. But who knows? get a, get a lot of emails coming in.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right.
1: I mean, especially with not to interrupt, like, especially with just the the shift in culture, really, where everyone's looking at TikTok and these kind of short snippets of releases versus album plays like they used to. Right. Uh, It's, I mean, they always say that the music industry evolves really quickly. And this is just over the last five, six years, the most I've seen it evolve in the twenty or so years of in working in music one way or another. And it's a it's it's definitely an exciting time and it's given our our product team and our our marketing and sales team a a lot of fun conversations to have, which which I'm sure I'll continue.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And so when we, you know, reconvene here in a couple, you know, 12 months or so. Uh, I think we'll have uh, wildly different conversations about what that looks like and how it works. Um, So before we wrap here, I have two key questions for you. First things first, um, who should be reaching out to you? Uh, Who would be a good connection for you? Uh, A Channel partner, potential client, what have you?
1: Yeah, anyone, essentially anyone who works with not even only independent music, anyone who works on the, the, you call it the sender side of, uh, of the music industry, whether it be a, distributor a record label a manager someone managing their friend's band a an artist who's who's trying to get out there for the first time uh what we do is we really help grow and give people an avenue to grow uh, So yeah anyone anyone on the music side looking to to figure out how to get their stuff to
0: more than more than a few people can, gotcha. can always go away. gotcha and uh in your journey to the you know wildly successful uh, and uh, complicated marketing position you're in, uh, what are your three biggest uh, things you've learned along the way to help the next guy out? Ooh, my
1: three biggest along the way these these might skew a little more music industry than than traditional marketing, but uh, one thing I'm a big believer in is is keep in touch with people you've worked with in the past. like you can program ads and set up, ad groups and uh do some SEO work all you want but it's always easier if you have someone you can turn to and either, either ask questions or you never know where someone's going to end up 5 years from now whether they could be a partner for whatever you're working with or or help you get a, a leg up on a conversation you need to have um so people is always my big one uh i would say try to put yourself in the shoes of of the person you're trying to reach which Mm -hmm. is probably basic marketing knowledge. But uh, especially when you're looking at different segments and having to kind of come up with a a more bespoke uh, strategy for each, really thinking about, all right, so like what are they being hit with every day? What are they actually caring about? Like if I'm an artist in Australia, I probably care about things differently than an artist in the U.S. because I have some government funding available to me. Or if I'm in the UK, it's a pretty small music industry, so I'm probably caring about a few key recipients versus trying to hit every radio station in the UK. Right. And uh, so really trying to think target first and, and kind of build backwards from there. Uh, and the third thing I'd come up with is uh, try to avoid falling into um, kind of the the paint by numbers strategy that I think think all of us can get sucked into, especially if you have a lot of projects going on at once. Um, Like it would be really easy for us to be like, all right, we we run ads in this territory and it goes well. So let's now target those ads here and then we'll do this because it worked over here. And uh, I think that leads to you might still find some success that way. But I think you could probably find a lot more and honestly, probably have a more enjoyable time if you you try to think a little more, uh, a little more out of the box and and stay interested and then keep learning and and try to be something unique.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Alan. I really appreciate uh, what you brought to the table here and hopefully the the, uh, folks listening to the show uh, get a ton out of it as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for
1: having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef podcast chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30 day money back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level.